If God were to speak to you in a clear, undeniable way, what's the first thing that he would say to you? Do you know what God wants you to know, earnestly wants you to know more than anything else? Well, I've spent years studying the Bible and I not only know what God wants you to know, but I also know how he would tell you, how he would say it. And that's because I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus and Jesus proves the kindness of God. I believe God has something he wants to say to you today. And I know that he speaks in mysterious ways. God speaks in strange and mysterious ways. And I've learned from experience that he can speak through me. And so I am going to tell you first four things out of scripture that prove the kindness of God. And then I hope you'll stay with me all the way to the end because I'm going to tell you the one thing that God wants you to know more than anything else. Welcome to the Believe and Speak podcast. I'm Shauna Marie Bryant, and I post a new episode every single Wednesday. I hope that you'll subscribe if you haven't already and ring that bell to get notifications. Now, if you are new, then you might not know that my format is always the same. I read a little bit of scripture. I pull something out of that scripture that we can believe and speak together. I believe that the tongue has the power of life and death. I want us speaking life. I want us speaking truth. And I want to empower your tongue with truth by giving you declarations out of the Word of God. And so today we're going to look at Titus chapter 3. I'll read verses 4 through 7 out of the New Living Translation. When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Now, according to these verses that I just read out of Titus chapter 3, Jesus proves the kindness of God. In fact, that is the declaration that I want us believing and speaking together today. So will you say that with me? Jesus proves the kindness of God. Now, do you think God is kind? Your answer to that question is extremely relevant to what it is I'm going to be talking about today. If you were to say to God, if you were to close your eyes right now and say, God, what do you want to say to me? Would you wait with eager expectation to hear from him? Or would you have a sense of dread? If you think God is unkind, you might not want to hear what he has to say. In fact, I recently ran into a man that wouldn't even ask. His disdain for God was so evident that I had to ask him, what is your experience? with God. Now, I'll give you the details in a little bit, but his answer was astounding to me. I Here I am telling you that Jesus proved the kindness of God, that God is kind. I read these scriptures from chapter 3 out of, out of the book of Titus, and yet this man said, oh yeah, this is my experience with God. When I was little, preteen, teenager, my uncle, who's a, a, Pente a Pentecostal uh, preacher, 
and he would light a tennis shoe on fire and wave it in front of my face and say, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to burn. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the kindness and beautiful compassion and mercy that we know about God if we know the word. And again, I want you to know the word because I want you believing and speaking truth, not only about God, but about yourself. You are worth so much more than having a burning shoe flung in your face. I just am so sorry if that's been your experience. Hear me out. These four things prove the kindness of God. Again, I just read about them in Titus chapter 3. The first one, my friend, is this. God saved us. God saved us, not because of anything we had done, not because of our good works, not because of our own righteousness or blamelessness, but because of His mercy. Talk about kindness. God saved us through Jesus because of His mercy. I think about this story. It's not a true story, but it's a cute little story about a man who died and went to heaven. And he arrives at the pearly gates. He sits down across from St. Peter, who has this clipboard with a two-column set of lists. Now, on the left-hand side is everything the man's done wrong, every mistake he'd made, every sin that he had committed, everything that he'd overlooked and not done that he was told to do, right? All the bad stuff. And then the other column was everything he'd done right, all of his good deeds, all of his acts of loving kindness, all of those kinds of things. Well, as Peter began to look at this clipboard, he got called away. So he left the clipboard behind, and here comes Jesus. Jesus takes that piece of paper off of the clipboard, rips it right down the middle, puts back the good things, wads up all of the bad, winks at the guy, right? I got this. And off he goes. The first thing on that list of the good things was that this man had trusted and Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So here comes Peter back, looks at the list. All he sees are all these wonderful things. He says, well, look at you. You're perfect. Come on in. Come on in. Jesus saved us because of his kindness, because of his loving compassion and mercy, not because of anything that we had done. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that he washed away all of our sins. The scripture says in Titus chapter three that he washed away everything, all of our sin. We are clean. We are spotless. We are blameless. We are perfect. We are made holy and made perfect. In, in sense of having no blame on us, no shame, no regret, no reason to feel less than clean. Washing assumes, right? Being clean. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse. I love the verse in 2 Corinthians. This is that we are new creations. The old is gone. Gone. The new has come. That is so so much evidence of God's kindness to us through Jesus. First, he saved us and he completely washed us clean. Okay, the third thing that proves the kindness of God is that he poured out his spirit on us. In fact, Titus 3.6 says he generously poured out his spirit on us. I tell you what, it's not easy 
to be all the things that God calls us to be. But through His Spirit, we are empowered to live godly lives. Through His Spirit, the Bible says that it's God who works in us to will and to act according to His purposes. A few weeks back um, during the Christmas season, I did a video on if you need more of the Christmas Spirit, what you actually need is more of the Holy Spirit. Well, right here, we're learning that God poured out His Holy Spirit generously. So if you need to be more loving or more patient or more peaceful, less anxious, all of these things, then you simply need to say, Lord, pour out your spirit on me because of his kindness and his love and his mercy. He will do that. He will empower you through his spirit to live a godly life and live in ways that absolutely please him. And then finally, the fourth thing is that God made us right. He made us right with Him. The older versions, the New King James and the King James Version, use the word justified, that God justified us through Jesus Christ. I love how Billy Graham, the, the old, wonderful evangelist, he, he used to say of the word justified that it meant this, it's just as if I'd never sinned, just as if I'd never sinned. Remember that, that list that I told you about in heaven where Jesus tore all the bad stuff, took it away, left only the good, justified, made right. We don't have to prove that we're good enough to God. We don't have to prove anything. We just point to Jesus because Jesus proves the kindness of God. We know that we are made right with Him. And it goes on to say in, in Titus 3.7 that we can have confidence through this grace. We can have confidence that we will spend eternity in heaven now that takes me back to the man that I told you about with the disdain that didn't want to have anything to do with God. And it was because he'd had a bad experience. He'd learned of a God that was unkind, judgmental, horrible. Well, I met this man at my neighbor's celebration of life. I'd mentioned a while ago, if, if you've been following me for a while, you heard the story about how an ambulance turned the corner here um, just a little over a month ago. And that was it. My neighbor had a heart attack and died instantly. And so at his celebration of life that was held at my other neighbor's backyard just across the way, um, my husband and I were the ones to, to present at the end. I, I said a prayer and, and, of course, read a little bit of scripture. And my husband gave the eulogy, kind of kicked off everybody remembering him for the, the great man that he was. And when I when I spoke, of course, I talked about how Jerry didn't know that that was his last day on earth. He didn't know that he was about to come face to face with God. And I wanted to make sure that everyone there knew that they were right with God, that they knew that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And like I said earlier, our sin, our guilt, our remorse, our shame, all of it washed away, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to live godly lives, and like I said, made right. And so I presented the gospel. Um, Probably about 45 minutes later, we were all visiting, having some food, I had a man come up and tap me on the shoulder. And he said, I want to have peace with God. 
tell me more about those scriptures you quoted and and how I can be sure, right, of, of spending eternity in heaven. And so as I began to share with him ever so briefly, this other man that I told you about earlier came in to get some pizza. And I could tell that he was not at all impressed with anything I had to say. And that's when I asked him about his experience because he was clearly not interested in the things of God. And so I said to him, you know, I am so sorry that your uncle did that. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. That That's not the God of the Bible. That's not who he is. That's not his heart. I said, I'm sure that with your history in the church, I'm sure you've heard this verse, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I was just about to go on and quote the next verse when he said that he hadn't heard that verse. Well, I couldn't believe it because like I said, that's one of the most quoted scriptures, I think, out of all of the Bible. And so I said, really? You've never heard John 3.16? And he goes, oh, John 3.16. That's the one that's on the in and out cups. And I said, yes, that's the one printed on the rim of the bottom of the in and out cups. Who would have thought that that would be a doorway for me to begin speaking to this man? Thank you, in and out. But I said the next verse, verse 17, you need to hear. It says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus proves the kindness of God, not only because he saved us, and he washed us clean, washing away all our faults, all our sins, so that we are blameless, spotless, holy, and righteous. But he empowered us by pouring out his Holy Spirit on us, enabling us to live in ways that are pleasing to him. And he made us right with him. He justified us because he loves us. He did not come to condemn us. He didn't come to wave a burning shoe under our noses and say, this is what you deserve. My friend, what you deserve is the loving kindness, mercy, and grace of God. And so now I want to tell you what the one thing is. Remember I said at the beginning, if you were to close your eyes and say, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to say to me? I believe this is what he wants to say to you. I love you. I love you so much that I gave my only son so that you would not perish, but would have everlasting life. I love you so much that I gave Jesus to die in your place so that you could be with me forever. That, my friend, is what God wants you to know. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your love that was shown to us so clearly through Jesus. It was Philip who said to Jesus, show us the Father, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you haven't seen? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was the absolute representation of you, God. And even people that don't follow Jesus, that aren't Christians, they say Jesus was a good man. He was a kind and compassionate man. He was a good teacher. And yet, Father, we know that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father 
are one. And so God, I thank you so much that you showed us your kindness through Jesus and that through him, you made a way for us to be made right, not by works that we've done, but because of you and everything you accomplished through Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us to know that we're loved. Help us to believe that we are worth dying for because that's what you see when you look at us, your children that you love so much. Father, help us love you back the way you deserve to be loved by asking for more of your spirit to fill us and empower us to be your hands and feet now that Jesus has returned to your right hand, sat down and handed the reins over, so to speak, to us. Lord, we want to bring you glory and honor through our lives. Make it so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for Believe and Speak. As you know, I'm here every Wednesday. I hope if you haven't, you'll subscribe, click that bell notification, and you will be notified not just of these episodes that come out every Wednesday, but I've been teasing the fact that I'm coming out with a whole new series, and I'm calling it Bible Basics for Beginners. And in truth, it's not just for beginners. I'm going to talk about, yes, some of the basics of the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. Who wrote them? How do we read them? How do we study it? But I'm also going to point out where you might want to go when you're having a hard time, what verses you might want to read through and even pray through when you're anxious or worried about things. And we're going to be doing all of that very, very soon. So again, I hope that if you've not subscribed, you will tell a friend, especially if they need to know that God is kind. God is kind and loving because you know what? Your tongue has power. Use it for good.